Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, I'm continuing this study of the Old Testament reading during this Lenten season. So for the first Sunday of Lent, we looked at the account in the book of Genesis, dealing with the original blessing and the original sin. We saw that human beings fell out of communion with God when they followed their own voice and not that of the Lord. Then last Sunday, we heard of the call of Abram. Israel's salvation commences with one simple man who listened, who abided by the Lord's command. Now, on this third Sunday of the holy season, we turn to the book of Exodus. We're much further along in the history of Israel now. Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, had made his way to Egypt, becoming in time the vizier of the nation. Read that marvelous story from the end of the book of Genesis. His family followed him, and soon the Israelites were a force to be reckoned with in Egypt. Jealous of their success, the Pharaoh enslaved them, and for 400 years they toiled in misery. Then, of course, under the leadership of Moses, they made their way out of captivity and began a journey toward the promised land. Now, familiar story. But all this is meant to be read as a kind of spiritual allegory. And when we do that, we see immediately its applicability to us. This is our story. The people with whom God wanted to share his life found themselves under the weight of slavery. Might we follow origin here and read the Egyptians as symbolic of the power of sin? What is best in us, what's meant to represent fullness of life in us, is now under the domination of greed, anger, hatred, violence, cruelty, selfishness. We're enslaved by sin. I believe that the contemporary language of addiction is very much applicable here. When one is addicted, he or she is out of control, unfree. It's lovely that word addiction from Latin adicere, which has the sense of voicelessness. Talk to people who've endured addictions of any kind, and they will readily enough use the language of slavery to describe the experience. All sin is a kind of addiction. 
I'm enthralled to pride, envy, anger, lust, gluttony, sloth, all the deadly sins. It's as though they've seized control of my mind and will, right? So, I mean, addictions to, to alcohol or to food or to sex, we, we recognize those. But any sin is like that. It's like some alien power has grasped my mind and will, and I can't get out from under them. What does God want? And the Bible just could not be clearer on this from beginning to end. He wants us to be free. He wants us out from under the whip of our taskmasters. He wants the burden of sin lifted. And so he sends this great liberator. So might we Christians appreciate Moses as an anticipation of Jesus? So Jesus is indeed the new Abraham. He's the new David. He's also the new Moses. And that means he's a liberator. Okay, once we have this kind of interpretive framework in place, I think the entire story of Genesis, uh, rather of Exodus here, takes on a very rich resonance. Here's a first basic lesson. The liberation from sin is never easy. Think of those lengthy passages in Exodus dealing with the plagues that God is compelled to visit upon Egypt. Getting free of the grip of our old patterns and ways of behaving, it's a slog, isn't it? As a wise teacher once commented to me, the road to healing is always blocked. Not sometimes, not usually, always. Consider, too, for a moment how long the Israelites wandered in the desert. That sort of in-between zone. They're, they're between slavery and the promised land. And they wandered there for 40 years. Conversion, everybody, is a long process, and it is not typically a lot of fun. It's something like, someone once made this comparison to me, I've always liked. It's a bit like driving on a highway that's under construction. You know, we're, we're getting there, but we don't get there very quickly. We don't get there very easily. It's as though our whole self is kind of under construction. We're in between the old and the new. So I guess in a way, maybe patience is an important Lenten lesson as we try to free, get free from our, our addictions to sin, it's a long slog. It's a long process. It's not easy. Here's a second lesson. The patterns of the enslaved life are deeply ingrained in us. Recall, the Israelites have been slaves for 400 years. Imagine how the patterns and habits typical of that life had been passed on from one generation to the next. You know, for most Israelites, it's the only life they ever knew. 
They, they probably couldn't even envision what real freedom is like. Therefore, when Moses leads them out into the desert, what do they do? They often look back to the flesh pots of Egypt. You know, at least in Egypt, we had enough food. At least in Egypt, we kind of knew how to survive. You've led us out here into the desert. Lead us back. Let's go back to the way we were. So here's a, a third and related spiritual lesson. When we are in the process of conversion, we will always yearn for our former way of life. We will always tend to look back. So let's say this Lent, you're really trying to get more spiritually and morally serious. Maybe you've determined like, yeah, there's, some, there's a pattern in my life that is just not good. I'm stuck in an addiction. I'm stuck in whether it's pride, it's envy, it's anger, it's some, someone I can't forgive. Maybe I have addictive patterns. Maybe I'm, I'm addicted to, to pornography or to whatever it is. And you're saying this line, I, I want to make progress. I, I, I want to convert. Well, first, it's going to be a long slog. But then this lesson, likely you're going to look back and say, well, at least I kind of knew how to navigate my life in the old days. Talk to people, by the way, who are moving even now through a 12-step process. Time and again, they'll tell you they're tempted to go back to slavery even though they, they know how bad it is when they were drinking or they're addicted to, to sex or pornography, whatever it is. They, they know how bad that life was, but yet they, they look back to it with a kind of longing. At least it seemed easier than what I'm going through now. As people are making their way to sobriety, they often feel they're in a wasteland. That's why it's so powerful that Israel is in the desert. Well, all these lessons are relevant to the passage we have for today, which is the famous quarreling of Israel by the waters of Meribah. Please, everybody, revisit this uh, marvelous little passage in the book of Exodus. It's a, it, it in some ways brings together all the themes I've been talking about. What do we find here? We find the chosen people in the midst of the desert, which is to say, in the process of conversion, they're on the way from slavery to the freedom of God. But, as we've heard, all healing is blocked. All conversion takes time. Those on the way always tend to look back. And so, listen now, what do we hear? They say to Moses, why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? There it is. There's all the lessons I've been talking about summed up in, in one uh, a question. Ah, Moses, wouldn't it be better? Let's just go back to our old life of slavery. So here we are, everybody, right smack in the middle of Lent our own season of 
conversion. Maybe you started Lent with a, a keen sense of, you know, that's something in my life I need to change. That's a pattern I need to let go of. I need to walk the way of conversion. Well, are we finding it hard, annoying, frustrating? Is the road to healing blocked? Would we rather go back to the way we were? Yeah, probably. I bet you're feeling all those things. But see, this is the decisive moment. Do we head back to Egypt, our former life of slavery? Or do we trust that the Lord is guiding us? Now, you know, as the story unfolds, uh, Moses strikes the rock at the prompting of God, and out comes water by which Israel can slake its thirst and that of its livestock. What's the water symbolic of? It's symbolic of God's providence. While we're on this painful way of conversion, is God with us? Yes. Is God guiding us? Yes. Even though we can't always see him. Is God providing for us? Yes. Even though we can't always sense it. But think of the sacraments of the church in this context. This life, as we know, it's no picnic. We're not yet at the promised land. We're in between sin and salvation. But see, don't look back. Rather, look around to the signs that God has placed in your path. Look around for the waters of Meribah and find them, everybody. And I'm, I'm talking out all my fellow uh, travelers on this painful road. Look especially to the sacraments of the church, where life comes to us as we make our way, painful way, through the desert. Don't go back. Don't go back to Egypt. Keep going toward the promised land. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.